You know, God is truly amazing. He truly is magnificent. And we hope that when you walked into this place, you felt that and you experienced that. And maybe you're trying to figure out what your next step is on your journey. You've never taken a step to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, or you've never taken a step to um, commit to him and be baptized. And next week is our decision week it's weekend. It's going to be a great, great weekend. And, and if you have never been baptized and you're wondering what that step, step might be, We'd love to talk to you more about that. You can fill on the white welcome card decision and we'll follow up with you or you can always stop by the Next Steps canopy at the end, at the end of the service at, or um, uh, behind the, the seating area. But you know, as we continue on today in this message series of this is for everyone, we really want to just take a moment and talk about significance because you have significance whether you realize it or not. You know, there's a woman by the name of Katherine Johnson. And that's a name that many of may not even be aware of. But one who made contributions in shaping our history books. A book that turned into a movie called Hidden Figures shares her story as an African-American woman mathematician who made such big contributions to the early days of the NASA program. She fought all the difficult cultural barriers of the day as being an African-American woman to make some significant advances. You know, the success of the NASA program is so much due to her work. For example, she was the one who helped Alan Shepard go to make his first flight to space. She calculated the path for John Glenn's orbit around the Earth. And she was also the one who calculated the path for the Apollo 11's 1969 flight to the moon. The bottom line is this. If it wasn't for Katherine Johnson, we may never had heard Neil Armstrong's famous line, this is one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. You know, Catherine could have easily said that she's not good enough. She could have easily have listened to the voices of the culture and threw in the towel and just quit. She could have said, this is just not for me. She could have just quit, but she didn't. And she made history. She became a difference maker. Did you know that each one of us has the opportunity to make history? Every one of us has the opportunity to make history. We have the ability to find significance. You have significance. Now, they may not make a movie about us, but by living your purpose, you can find your significance. There is a reason why you're here, to be a hidden figure that becomes a difference maker. You can change the world. You can. And in the Bible, there is a man that many of us probably don't even know his name, just like Katherine Johnson. Yet he became a difference maker. This man was named Onesimus, and he was a runaway slave who found his way to the Apostle Paul while Paul, while Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And hidden within the New Testament letters is this gem of a letter that Paul wrote to the slave master Philemon about this runaway slave named Onesimus. And in this letter, Paul said this about Philemon in, in verse 11 of Philemon. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he's, he has become useful both to you 
and to me. And I am sure that many of us feel the same way that Paul describes here. We feel like we are stuck in a life that we just cannot get out of. A life that haunts us. A life that drains us. That just overwhelms us and beats us down. And, and a, life, a life that we just want to get out of. And many of us just seems like we've been typecasted into this life. You know, typecast is when someone is assigned, usually an actor or an actress, into a role repeatedly, maybe because they appear a certain way or they have a certain personality or they just had huge success in that role in the past. But nonetheless, they are typecasted into this role that they just cannot break free from. Just think about it. When you think of the name Michael Richards, you instantly think of Kramer, Right? Or when you hear the name Julia Louise Dreyfus, you think of Elaine, all you Seinfeld fans. Or maybe for you younger folk who don't know what Seinfeld is, you know, with the cast of Friends, when you hear the name Matthew Perry, you instantly think of Chandler Bing. I love that name. I could say it a thousand times. Bing! Or when you hear the name Matt LeBlanc, you instantly think of Joey Tribbiani. Right? And throughout the decades, actors and actresses have been typecast into roles or characters that they just can't break free from. And in life, we often get typecasted too, don't we? We get typecasted into a certain role that we just can't break free, although we just wish we could. And maybe this happens in a couple different ways. Maybe you honestly brought this upon yourself by your own choices. You brought the consequences into your life. Or you just think this is the way life is. This is the way life has to be. I can't change anything, so why even try? And so you just give up. Or maybe others have put this on you. That in your work field, they just believe this is your role and you can't do anything about it or whatever it might be. But either way, we seem to be stuck in a rut of life searching for a deeper identity, looking for our significance, trying to figure out why am I here? I mean, do you struggle with that? I bet it's safe to assume at some point all of us have struggled with it and it probably are some people sitting in this room right now that are struggling with it as we speak. What is my significance? And in this search, we need to first understand and jot this in our notes that significance is found in our identity. Your significance is found in your identity. Onesimus found his identity in Jesus. He was formerly useless. He was formerly a slave, but now he was useful. Why? Because his identity was in Jesus. And in this letter, Paul describes a man who found a complete change in his life. He once was useless, as I said, but now he's found significance. Now he found purpose. And Paul also stated about this man, Onesimus, in verse 10 of Philemon, where he's written, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. This verse alone reveals such a tight, close, mentoring relationship that Onesimus had with Paul. 
And sometimes I just wish, as I read these letters, that I knew more of the story, that I could see and understand and know how this all took place. I would have loved to see the transformation of purpose that Onesimus experienced as he built a relationship with the Apostle Paul. But while we do not know the specifics of the how, we do know this. Somewhere along this journey, Onesimus found his identity in Jesus Christ rather than what he did. Rather than being a slave, he found his identity in the creator of all. And as he found his new identity, he was molded by the strong influence of, with Paul in his life. And so please don't overlook or miss the importance of what we see going on with, between the lines in this letter. And that is what we see happening is a mentoring relationship that was developed. We need a mentor in our life. A mentor is someone who can help us see the blind spots that we often face in life. You know, in football, there's an offensive strategy called the crackback block. And when I played, I loved the crackback block because it was the one play where you're almost guaranteed to level someone, to put them on their back. And I just love doing that. I'm sorry. But you know what was going on with the crackback block? As they spread the line out, they would have the offensive player crack back, come down the line when a person has no idea that they're coming. See, the defender will be so focused on his assignment, so focused on what he thinks he needs to do on that play that he doesn't see trouble running down to knock him out. And that's what so happens, happens so often in life. We so often are offered some crackback blocks in life that everything seems to be going well. We're so focused on who we're supposed to be or what we think we're supposed to be or where we feel we're supposed to go on this certain day when life just knocks us down and circumstances destroy us. Can I just say that's the reality of life? No one is immune from that. Every person that walks this earth will be knocked down by life at some point. And you know, a mentor is so important. You know why? Because when the circumstances of life knocks us down, it's so great to have those people in our life that help us get back up. A mentor can guide us in the getting back up stage to deal with those unfortunate circumstances, to be more prepared when life just throws those curveballs, when life just happens, as well as to help us improve in our abilities, our skills, and just our normal day-to-day -day life decisions. Mentors guide us in that path. And that's what Onesimus had with Paul. And that's what we need in our life. Don't miss this very, very important truth that we see in this letter. Developing a mentoring relationship is crucial. It is absolutely crucial in our personal journey. You can never become the full potential that God desires you to be without mentors in your life. You know, I've had many mentors in my life. Jamie Carmichael, someone that you probably never heard of before in your life, but was someone who was pretty important in my personal journey. You see, when I went to college in Cincinnati in the mid-90s, it was Jamie who I came across. As I began to serve in this inner-city church, I was just a young knucklehead who had no idea what I was doing, but Jamie was the person in my life who taught me so much about life, about ministry, about making wise choices as I grew up to become what I believe God desired me to be. 
You need a mentor in your life. And so the question is, who do you have mentoring you? Who do you have mentoring you? Oftentimes, we struggle with our identity because we have the wrong influences surrounding us. It's just the fact of life. You struggle with your identity because you have the strong people influencing you. Maybe it's TV shows. Maybe it's the music you listen to. Or maybe it's just bad influences around you. You know what the Bible says? Paul wrote in another passage in a letter that bad company corrupts good morals. This is the truth. Who you surround yourself with is what you become. It's what you become. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Your, who you have mentoring you means everything. Onesimus found a very strong mentor in Paul. And that changed everything in his journey. Changed everything. But you know, before we can continue, we cannot overlook the obvious. And we need to deal with a subject matter that this letter raises. And that's slavery. You know, please understand something. The slavery, slavery that we see in the Bible is completely different than the unfortunate slavery that we see in our history books. The slavery that we see in American history is an embarrassment and it's unbiblical. And for anyone to use the Bible to encourage those choices that we see in our history books is downright wrong. Also, for those that tend to use arguments that, well, we can't really trust all the Bible. You know, you have to pick and choose really what you believe in the Bible because, well, like here, it, it, the Bible endorses slavery, so we know it's kind of outdated. Not everything is accurate in the Bible. My friends, that's inaccurate too. To help us better understand the issue that this letter raises as we see it in the Bible, let's look at an Old Testament law that describes the rules and regulations of slavery found in Exodus 21. Go ahead and read along with me. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife when he comes, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master. And only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children do not want to go free, then this master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. You see, the Bible was written in the Old Testament primarily in Hebrew and the New Testament primar primarily in Greek. And both of those languages uses the word for slave, which actually better translates as servant or bond servant. And in the Old Testament, there were specific laws and conduct of how a master should conduct themselves and the rules and regulations when they have these servants or bond servants. And most often, these people who were slaves, as we see in the Bible, were people who were repaying a financial debt or they were criminals repaying some debt to society in some way. But some, just as this passage notes, loved their master so much that they chose that lifestyle. They chose to be living, to, to serve their master for the rest of their life. And it's estimated that when this letter was written in Roman times, there was one third of the population that were actually slaves. 
and another third of the population were slaves at some point in their history to repay some debts. So in other words, slavery at that magnitude of that issue was pretty a popular thing of that day and age. And you can read more about this issue in other verses that's noted in your, in your uh, notes today. But to move along, this is where we find Onesimus. Onesimus found his identity as a slave. My question for you, what do you find your identity in? You know, many of us tend to seek our identity in our jobs, or maybe it's our financial status, or our kids' activities, or whatever it might be. And in some way, we all become enslaved to what we find our identity in. Whether you realize it or not, you are a slave to something. You are. And that's what we tend to find our identity in. And this often and sometimes, without knowing, causes us to go into an identity crisis, which affects our ability to find significance and purpose and meaning in life. And like Onesimus, we sometimes become these vagabonds, searching for something more, searching for our identity. Maybe it's not physically like Onesimus was, but I bet it's safe to assume that many of you guys are struggling because you're vagabonds emotionally. Emotionally, you are searching for something. You're searching for significance. You're searching for identity, something deeper than what the world tends to be throwing on you. And because we struggle with significance, we often struggle with our own self-worth. We tend to not like what we see in the mirror. We look down on ourselves. We think bad things about ourselves. Please know this. Finding our significance and our purpose starts with letting God love you. It all starts there. And this seems so simple. Yet the struggle of letting God love us is real. Because what tends to happen is that you begin to listen to the voices that surround you that I bet Onesimus heard that you're not good enough. You're just a low person in this world. And we listen to those voices and we downgrade our self-worth and then we don't like who we are in the mirror. And so we push God away because we can't let him know me. We can't just let him in. Or maybe we're hurt because someone in our life let us down or broke promises with us or, or just hurt us in some big way. And so we equate that with God and then we just find ourselves pushing him away more and more. And then before you know it, the struggle is real at truly allowing God to just love you. And more than anything in all the world, the creator of everything that is most desperately just wants you to know he loves you. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is the reality of his love in action. He created you for something. You exist for a reason. Answering the question of who am I is so crucial. And the more you find your identity in things of this world or how other people label you, the more you'll be disappointed. The more you'll continue this vagabond quest 
But the more you find your purpose and identity in him, the creator of all, there you find why you exist. Please know this is a very important point. Jot this down in your notes. Through our identity, we find purpose. Through our identity, there you'll find your purpose. Look what else the Apostle Paul wrote about Onesimus in verses 12 through 16. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he has separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Did you catch what Paul was describing here? Did you see what is going on? Through his identity, Onesimus found his purpose. That's what was found. His purpose was not found in anything in in this world. His identity and his purpose was found in the one he served. Who are you serving? You know, this all boils down to who is our God? Who do you serve? As I said, we all serve someone or something in our life. We're all slaves to something. Something controls our thinking. Something drives our actions. Something we seek to find identity in. And Jesus, Jesus even said this in Matthew 6, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's the real life struggle. We have a tendency to seek identity in the wrong thing, which really confuses our purpose and leaves us with an emptiness of life, of purpose, of significance. I mean, just think about it. If you seek your identity in your job, what happens tomorrow when you get laid off? When that job is no longer there? If you seek your identity in your financial status, what happens tomorrow if the stock market crashes or everything you owned is destroyed? What happens then? If you seek your identity in your kids' activities, what happens when they don't go pro or get that scholarship that you're really hoping they would get? When your identity is in the things of this world, you need to know that the things of this world is going to one day let you down. You will be disappointed. For Onesimus, what I see here is a man that lost, that was lost because his identity were, was in who he was in this world as a slave. But then when he came across Paul, Onesimus learned who he was in Jesus. And that, my friends, changed everything. You see a very important point? When God, when we let God love us, he will then love others through us. It's just allowing God to do his work. 
connecting with him. The more you find your identity in Jesus, the more you will realize your purpose. Every one of us has been wired by the creator of everything that is for a specific purpose. You were not created by accident. You are not here by chance. You have the breath of life and you have purpose. And here at Impact, we have a class called Get in the Game. This class is all about learning more about how God has wired us, our spiritual gifts, our talents, our personality, and how all those things can blend together into God's design of you. And I get chills of excitement every time I think about the community that is Impact Christian Church. There are so many hidden figures that are difference makers in this church. There's just too many to acknowledge in this moment in time, but from our kids' teams to the student ministry to the cafe team and guest service and ushers, servers, those on stage and those in the tech booth, the specialty ministry, the the parking team, the safety team, the the shuttle team, the landing host, the setup and teardown teams. This is just to name a few of them. And here is the cool thing. There is a place for you. There's a place for you. Whatever your gifts and talents are, whether you are outgoing or shy and prefer to stay behind the scenes, you have the ability to be a difference maker. There's a ministry for you here at Impact. And if you would like to learn more about how you can get plugged in, just write Get in the Game on your welcome card or stop by the Next Steps canopy and learn more about how you can use your gifts and talents and, and what God has designed you as to use for His glory, to make a difference But getting back to our story, Philemon's usefulness, his significance was completely changed. He was a slave. He was useless. But as you read Paul's words in in this letter, you see a man that now was an encourager. You see a man that now was not just mentored, but now he was becoming a mentor. He was making a difference. Verse 13, if you read the letter, he helped Paul while he was in chains. And later in the letter, we see that he became a fellow man and a brother in the Lord. In other words, Paul desperately needed him by his side. And at the end of this letter, Paul highlights other behind-the-scenes, hidden-figure difference makers that we see in the New Testament time. He mentioned Epaphras, who was a fellow prisoner. He mentioned Mark, also known as John Mark, who he said in 2 Timothy 4.11 that I need Mark with me because he's so helpful with me, which is surprising because as you read the story earlier in the Bible, you see that Paul did not hold John Mark to a high esteem. You see Demas, who later deserted them. You see Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, who was also a physician. Here's the deal. It's time for those of us that hold excuses to throw those excuses away. It's time to put excuses to the side because all excuses do is kill opportunity to find your significance. That's all excuses are. They kill your opportunity to find your significance. Jim Thorpe was a Native American in the early 1900s who was one of the greatest athletes of all time that our nation has ever seen. And he faced racial prejudice and a difficult upbringing. His twin brother died at the age of nine. His mother and father died just a few years later that then left him as an orphan. To say that he had a difficult upbringing, a difficult life, would be a complete understatement. And so when this man 
When this amazing athlete made it to the Olympics in the early 1900s, and someone stole his shoes right before the event, it was probably no big deal for him. Jim Thorpe simply put on two other shoes that he found in the trash can. And one shoe was too big. And so what he did was he found some extra socks to make the shoe fit just a little bit better. And with two different socks and an extra pair of, uh, two different shoes and an extra pair of socks, Jim Thorpe went on to win the gold medals in amazing fashion. He rocked the Olympics that year. And he was heralded as such a great athlete that he went on to play several other professional sports. All the professional teams wanted Jim Thorpe. And it's amazing just to look at the shoes that pro athletes today get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars just to wear. But for Jim Thorpe, it didn't matter what he wore. He did not allow excuses to define him. You know, in life, every person has obstacles to overcome. Every one of us. And with those obstacles come opportunities. Jim Thorpe realized this. Katherine Johnson, who I mentioned at the beginning of the message, understood this. Onesimus, as we see in this letter, got this. What about you? What about you? Paul wrote in another letter in Ephesians 2 these words, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are a masterpiece of the master designer himself. You have purpose. You have significance. Don't let excuses push you away from how God has designed you, the purpose he has for you. It's time to put those excuses to the side and realize this truth. You've been created for a life of significance that can only be found when you find your identity in the one who designed you. And like Onesimus, when you allow God to love you, he will then begin to love other people through you, and you will change the world. Let's pray together.